Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm sound guy, screen guy, and some other guy, um, and pastor all at the same time this morning. So just bear with me a little bit. We are, uh, we're thankful. This, this was the moment when I was going to ask some of the guys that went this weekend to come up uh, and talk to us, but we've already nailed that, and, I, and I'm thankful that we did. Amen. And so for just a minute, before I, I go into pastor mode, uh, I want to be just one of the guys for a minute, if that's okay. You guys good with that? Amen. We don't need to be looking at our watches. Amen. Let's just love the Lord and love each other for a few minutes. Um, my first promise keepers was close to 20 years ago. And um, we, we joke all, all the time. Grant came into men's group one night, and uh, Anthony was sitting on one side, and, and others of us were sitting on the other side and everything. And, and Grant came in, and, and he was like, do I need to sit over here? And I was like, what? You sit wherever you want. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking, what kind of question is that? It was kind of weird. He's like, well, I thought maybe we were segregating and everything else. And, and still, vroom, just right over my head. I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I'm giving him this look like, you know, and everything else. And he, he, he goes over to Anthony. He's like, me and Anthony over here, you all over here. And I'm like, Oh, no, sit wherever you want. That's dumb, right? Not he's dumb, but, but the idea of, of segregation is dumb, right? But, but, and I said, you see how well I see collar, right? And, you know, when I was in the military, I was in the Marine Corps, um, we were, for the first time in my life, being a country boy in West Virginia and, and going away, uh, I was around a lot of people uh, of collar, you know, blacks, Hispanics, uh, and so on for the first time in my life. And that was, that was a huge culture shock. And not only was there a lot of testosterone being thrown around in, in boot camp, of course, but there was, there was that learning of how to, to navigate those differences. Some of these guys came from the inner cities of Philadelphia and, and, and New York and, and down in the, the Keys of Florida and, and everything else. So not only were there you know, racial differences, there were, there were culture differences because we grew up and came from very different places. And, and that started, you know, with, with a lot of uh, tense moments, right? And, and over time, as we began to grow together and, and as we began to depend on each other and, and as we all realized that, hey, we're not getting to the end of this 13 weeks without each other, all of that went away. All of that went away, right? And, and so my time in the Marine Corps was over, and, and I came home, and, you know, living in West Virginia and on, on a farm and everything else, I came home, and again, I, I wasn't around a, a lot of ethnicities in, in any degree whatsoever and, and so forth. And um, then my first Promise Keepers comes up, and y'all know my story about Promise Keepers. I'm not going to go too deep into that. But, you know, I kind of went with an arm-folded mentality because of the very legalistic way I had been raised in the church. And so my friend conspires with my wife, and together they, they work it out to where I had zero excuse. There was, there was nothing on the calendar. There was nothing at work. There was, they, had, they had configured it all to where I had no excuse but to go. And... I went, and I kind of went with this mindset, right? And uh, because, I, you know, hopefully we didn't set that mindset for you guys. I don't think we did. But, but with my legalistic upbringing, it was, it was hard for me to, 
you know, go into this idea of, of a worship set that played drums. <gasps> you know, my goodness. You know, they've got, a, they've got an electric guitar. Blasphemers, right? And, and that was a lot of the mindset that I, that I grew up in. So I was, I was navigating all of that. And, and then my friend says, oh, yeah, no, it's not just me, you, and Dad. We're, we're going with another church. And, and so we walked into, and, and I'll just add this real quick to the story. I had went through two years uh, of proverbial hell in the ministry. Um, the pastor who had been at the church 20 years before me, for 20 years before me, kind of ran off with the piano player kind of scenario, right? And, and so I'm stuck as a new pastor. I'd been in the ministry several years, several years, but as a new pastor, I'm stuck trying to hold all that together, right? And um, so I was exhausted mentally, physically, spiritually, and everything else, then add the, the legalism, then add all of the other. And so he's like, no, we're going with this church uh, with some friends of mine up on the boulevard. they got a great big bus, and we're going with them. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we get to the church, and we go walking in, and it's a room full of black men at, at Grace Bible Church up on the boulevard. Pa Pastor Matthew Watts, if you're not familiar with the church. And, you know, I wasn't uncomfortable a bit because, you know, I, I had had that Marine Corps experience, and I had worked through a lot of those things. But it was kind of like one of those, oh, wow, didn't see this coming. You should have told me, you know, I want to I do the right thing here and um, so forth. And so I had, to, I had to, like, process that within minutes. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't know. It was almost like someone had taken every emotion and every spiritual battle inside of me and had typed it all up in a script and given it to this bus full of men. And they loved on me in a way that weekend that I had never been loved on in church in my life. It's almost like they took turns coming up and sitting down beside of me and putting their arm around me and just, just sowing love and grace and power into me. And, man, I forged friendships that weekend that are still vital to, to my life today. And, and that I count on, I depend on those prayers, and I depend on those who intercess on my behalf. You know, miles and miles away at this point. And I want to say this. For us to go on our first men's retreat as a church, unsegregated. You hear me? Amen. Do my black brothers hear me? Amen was powerful to me. It was powerful when I walked into that house at Smith Mountain Lake and there was Duran and there was Anthony and they came running over and they gave me a big hug and we're just all smiles till Uno. We got a little vicious during Uno. Right? Bob cheats. I know he does. <laughs> I don't know how. I haven't figured it out. But man, there's no way he wins every game like that. But man, we just... Whatever. <laughs> but, man, we just loved on each other. And we laughed. And, and we accepted each other as we are. And, um, you know, that's, that's brotherhood. That's, that's how this works. Uh, and that's how we need to work. And just, just echoing what several have said, man, we, we need a house 
of love and a house of miracles and a house that has no partitions in it so that we come together with one thing on our heart and one thing on our mind, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And one of the speakers said this, and I'm going to try hard as I, as I preach to you this morning not to re-preach some of the amazing word we got this weekend, okay? I mean, that'll probably filter in over the next several weeks, but I do want to share this with you because one of the speakers said it, and I thought it was powerful. He said, we can run fast alone, but we run farther together. And I was like, wow, right? And of course, it was tied to scripture and it was tied to, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a bond of three strands is not unbroken and, and you know, iron sharpening iron, all, all the typical stuff, right? But just that mindset and that concept of when we choose to come together and we choose to lock arms and we choose to say, I'm not letting any of my brothers get left behind and meeting meeting Chad Robichaud was a huge moment for this Marine okay I'm going after after all the stuff that's been in the news about him and all of the amazing heroic things he has done to save thousands in Afghanistan after our, our government pulled out of there is is heroic beyond any realm and and to be able to meet him and stand there and shake his hand and, and talk to him I mean, there's a huge line, but I felt like I held it up forever because I felt like we talked forever, but it's probably just a few minutes, was, was amazing. And he told this amazing story uh, about the interpreter that was attached to him in Afghanistan when, when he was fighting there and how you know, his time in the service was up and, and everything else. And when this happened with our military, this interpreter, this friend, this brother, that he had created great bonds with, him and his family were still there. And knowing that he had helped the U.S. military as the Taliban came in to take over, they knew he would be killed, probably hung or executed in the street. And he was like, I can't allow that to happen. And so he gathered up the resources, man and, and money, uh, made phone calls, whatever, to make it possible. And they went and they saved Aziz, right? Some of you probably saw my picture on Facebook about it. They saved Aziz, and then in saving Aziz and his family, they found out that there were thousands of orphan, orphans, thousands of women, thousands of Americans that had taken refuge, trying to hide and all of this. And, and they started making the phone calls and putting all of the things together to save all of this. And then they surprised us all and brought Aziz on the stage. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the message, I promise. And brought Aziz on the stage, and of course, you know, man, we're just, we're just overwhelmed to, to, to hear that story and then to see... Uh, the people involved in that story on stage. And Aziz took the microphone and he said this. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But he said, I have accepted Jesus Christ. This is a Muslim who has said, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because my friend, Chad, showed me the truth in what the scriptures say. That he won't leave us. Or forsake us no matter where we are where what we're going through we have a God who says he won't leave us and he won't forsake us and here is a real life episode 
of a man saying, I won't leave him behind. And, and he went through great lengths to see that happen. And in doing so, God empowered him to not only save Aziz and his family, but to save over 17,000. Right? This has all been in the news. You can Google it, look it up, and, and so forth. But what a powerful testimony. So just being a dude for a minute, right? Just being one of the guys for a minute. I can't tell you, not just because of the Marine thing, but I can't tell you how huge hearing Aziz's testimony was. <laughs> if, you, if, you did, if you didn't see the picture on Facebook, Chad's about this tall, right? Yeah, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. When I stood there and shook his hand, knowing his story... And I felt like I was standing beside a giant, right? I was standing beside of a giant. And not just because he's a Marine and a UFC fighter and all of this different stuff, but because he took God at his word and he moved mountains and he did the impossible to save people's lives. So uh, I didn't plan on saying that. It kind of hit me as I was walking down here. Um, but if you don't get two things... Know this, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, if you get left behind, it's your choice. God says, I won't forsake you. God says, I won't leave you. God says, I'll even fight the battle for you, right? And, and, and we saw evidence in that and everything that it's had done. And, and the second thing, man, what a blessing. What a blessing that we are a house of love and a house of miracles, a house where God moves. Amen. And we have no walls. We have no walls between us. We love and we courage and we lift up. And, and to, I'm, I'm sure if Grant walked in again and made some kind of segregation joke, I'd be like, huh? What? Yeah, I still don't get it. I really don't. But, but I respect the fact that some do. And we need to fix that. Y'all didn't hear me. I said, but I, I get the fact that some do, and we need to fix that. Amen. Amen. I'm back to pastor mode now, if you can't tell. So, All right. John chapter 5. We've been in this series about Jesus together. And, and we've, been, we've been talking uh, about how there is a lot about Jesus that we don't get. Right? We've, been, we've grown up in the church and we've understood that, that Jesus came, the only begotten Son of God, born of a virgin. We understood that he went to a cross and he died for our sins. We understood that he was, he was laid down in an empty tomb and we understand that he rose from that tomb. Right? We're all there. No matter where, we're, no matter where we are on this walk, we're all there, right? We all know that, right? We all believe that and we should because our salvation is wrapped up in it. Right? So I'm not speaking against any of that knowledge. Understand that. So if you haven't been here for, for, for the whole series, understand, I'm not, I'm not creating something new. We're saved by grace through faith, by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. There is no other way to heaven, and I'm not creating another way this morning. Amen? But what we haven't been taught and what we're not walking in and what we're not doing in our lives is the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
We have missed the ministry, the pure ministry of Jesus Christ for years. Amen? And I think it's all because we've never really studied how he lived. We've never really studied how he walked. And we've never really studied how he pushed others into their purpose and into their calling in life. Amen? So are we good? Everybody understand where we're coming from this morning? All right. So, and, and it's important that you understand that. And if you've missed the first five, six, where are we at? I don't even know where we're at. The first five or six sermons in this series, and I told you when we started it, man, I'm, I'm just walking through John. And when God says to stop, we'll stop. Amen? But it is vital. If we are going to live out a life of power and a life of authority in this life because of what Jesus has done for us, then that has to start in the life of Christ. It doesn't start in my life. It doesn't start in your life. It doesn't start in, in this or that or, or whatever. And we, we can make up whatever we want. We can marketing plan whatever we want and, and, and put ourselves in that place. Amen. But if we're doing it any other way other than the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, we're doing it wrong. Right? We can, we can say all we want to. Well, the Old Testament tells me this. Well, Paul tells me this. Well, this, that, and that. And those are all good. I've told you in the early part of this series that the things written aforetime, Scripture tells us, the things written aforetime were written for our learning. Not necessarily our doing, amen, but for our learning, right? And we know that Paul and, and Peter and John and, and all of those guys, and it's important that we study how they lived out their faith because these are the guys that lived and walked with Jesus Christ. If there's anybody that understands his ministry, it's them, right? And, and that's why their teachings and their preachings matter. Amen. But beyond all of that, studying the life of Jesus Christ is paramount for us to understand the kingdom of heaven. For us to understand who God is and what God really wants from his church. Amen. And, and so that's why we are there. And I I, I wanted to give you, I know most of you are sitting there saying, you've said this a few times, Jane. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I want to make sure everyone gets that this morning because I'm going to give you some hard stuff today, right? Last week I gave you some pushes, right, out of the first part of John chapter 5, amen? Some pushes in the sense of, will you be made whole? The man at the pool of Bethesda, right? And, and Jesus coming to him after 38 years, of being impotent, 38 years of, of not being able to walk, 38 years of not being able to provide for himself. We had a conversation in the car as, as we were uh, coming, John and I, and, and we were talking about this idea of, you know, how did he eat, right? He couldn't walk, he couldn't move, he was stuck by the pool for 38 years, according to the testimony of Scripture. So someone had to bring him food. Someone had to provide for him. But what did he say when Jesus asked if he would be made whole? He said, I got no man to put me in the pool, right? There's also no historical account uh, of an angel coming and stirring up that water. But we do have accounts of people being healed from it, right? And, and so we, we, can say, we can say that was God, but I don't know that God has ever made a competition out of us receiving everything that he pours into our life. 
Amen? That's like saying whoever gets to the altar first this morning gets saved. And if you're not first, you go back and sit down. Maybe next week will be your moment. Amen? God doesn't lay that kind of stuff down for us. So let's imagine maybe that was a dark angel stirring that water. Amen? Now, I can't prove that scripturally. Amen? But I also can't prove that it was an angel of God either because of the historical accounts. But I also know the character of God. And I also know he says that that he's no respecter of persons. I also know that he says, amen, that he will not divide us by any way other than the way of Christ. Amen. So why would he create a competition of healing? Amen. And why would Jesus, listen, listen, why would Jesus call it out? I'm, I'm giving you a second on that one because... It's not something you hear from pulpits very often. Why would Jesus call it out? Amen. Will you be made whole? There's no man. There's no man. I imagine in his spirit when, when, when the man said there's no man, Jesus was kind of like, good. Right? Because a lot of us look to man, a lot of us look to things that are precedent well beyond us to make our decisions about God and make our decisions about who Jesus is and make our decisions about how we're going to live this life. And so we allow man to dictate that to us rather than the power and the Spirit of God dictating that to us. So we are called to a place of power and a place of authority, a place, as TJ preached to us a a couple of weeks ago, about how we do the same works through the same power and through the same glory as Jesus did. We're called to that place. We're promised that power. Amen? But, But we don't do that emulating man. Amen? And I'm going to read to you this morning. This is what I'm saying. I want to make sure you get all the... The forward, amen, you know when you read a book, you got a forward in there that kind of tells you what you're getting ready to get hit with. Amen, I kind of gave you that forward this morning to remind you uh, of exactly where this series is coming from. And I told you in the beginning, this is going to shake some foundations that you've probably sat on for years. Amen. Jesus calls out the people, the Pharisees especially, amen, about their dependency on scripture about their dependency upon the law and the tradition that they had turned the law into and that they rested on that and had no idea who he was amen now you with me now you with me our visitors are probably thinking what did we get into this morning glad you guys are here amen I, I really am amen don't mean to embarrass you but I want us to understand that Jesus wasn't a political figure. And I know he is often made out to be a political figure. But Jesus was a spiritual entity. He was the only begotten Son of God. And he never attacked Rome. I find no evidence in my Bible where he attacked Rome. Amen? If anything... The the Jewish nation was mad at him and turned on him and yelled crucify him because he refused to attack Rome. Jesus attacked religion. Jesus attacked 
what man had done to what God intended. You with me? This is what Jesus came to do, and he came to set it right. He came to make a straight path because there had been way too many other paths that were wide and twisty and crooked. And Jesus came and said, I'm the way. You will not find God. You will not reach God. You will not receive from God. You will not be healed of God. You will not be led of God but by me. And we need to know that, man. We need to understand that. We can have all the right intentions. We, we can dress it up with all the, the, the pretty smiles and the, and the workmanship of man. But at the end of the day, it will either rest on the authority of Jesus Christ or it will absolutely crumble on the nothingness of everything else. And Jesus came to do just that. He came to crumble all of the misgivings and all of the, the ideas and misnomers of who he was and what God was doing. Amen. And if there is ever a blunt moment, it is in this second half of, the chap of chapter 5 in John where God, he's accused. He is sought after and accused because of what he did on the Sabbath. Oh my goodness, we healed. We did good. We changed a life on the Sabbath. Amen. If we're not careful, we will, we will put rules and orders in front of salvation. Y'all with me? Y'all feel quiet. If, if we're not careful, we, we will put dotting I's and, and crossing T's, checking boxes, and, and we will bring ourselves to the same type of, of religious epiphany that the Pharisees did. And there will not exist in us any power and any authority of heaven because we've chosen to do it our way, man's way, and not God's. Amen? And so we are called to a place that says, I'm going to shake it up. I'm going to crush up what is hardened in you because of what you've heard and where you've been and what you've seen for years. But I'm going to do it that I might plant myself in you. And spring forth. Amen. You see some of our. Chris, Chris spoke to us a few weeks ago too. And, and he talked to us about our ground. And some of our ground is, is hard. Amen. Some of, our, some of our ground. Our mindset. Our heart. Right. Our, our tradition. Is hardened. Amen. And, and we don't receive full authority and power, amen, because we're telling God, you've got to work right here when I say so and when I give you permission to, amen. And God's like, no thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll keep searching. I'll keep going. He met with a woman at a well. And he told her because of her life and because of who she was and, and all she had done and everything else. He said, you worship, you know not what. You don't even know what you worship. You don't even comprehend who it is that you worship. You are so far beyond in your own world of religion and in your own idea of who God is. That you don't even know who you worship. So chapter 5, verse 25, just so y'all believe this is scripture and not just Jay on a whim, right? 
John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. The dead. Are you dead this morning? Sleep deprived, yeah. I'm talking about spiritually dead. I'm talking about unable to hear the voice of the Son of God. But they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Now notice this is Jesus before religious accusers. All Jesus had to do to make everything okay is say, no, you're in charge. Your way's right. You've been manipulating people for generations, but it's okay, I'll bow to you. Amen? But this is how Jesus responded. Jesus responded to say, mm, no, no. Just like, just like when I kicked this series off and I said, you know, Nathaniel comes and, and because Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, he puts like three different earthly titles on Jesus. And Jesus' response was, meh, 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 not, not who I'm here to be, not who I want to be, and not what I'm going to do. Amen. Amen. And this is another one of those moments where Jesus in full authority says, amen, I'm getting ready to break your hard ground. You with me? I'm getting ready to break your hard ground. I'm getting ready to jump up and down on it and crack it and make you understand and realize that there is a feeling, a feeling, F-I-L-L, because I'm a country boy and don't talk good, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, there is a feeling that is going to come to you and it is going to remove the hardness and it is going to crumble all of the things that has caused you to miss me all of your life. Amen? And in order for that to happen to you, it has to come by my power and by my authority and not yours. You with me? All right, so here we go. Verse 26. For as the Father hath life, in himself. Who was he who was he calling out in verse 25? He was calling out the dead. And there are dead. There are those who are dead. There are those who before Jesus Christ in the throne of God are dead. And they don't hear his voice. They don't see his worth. They don't understand his power and he don't they don't know his salvation. And they are dead. And their ground is hard. And they can't be filled. Amen? It is why we live. And it is why we love. And it is why we choose not to leave them behind. Amen? We don't succumb to, we don't succumb to their theories and ideas. Amen? But we love always. So the Father has life, and he's given that life to me, Jesus says. So hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and have given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Now you can imagine the Pharisees in this moment, 
and getting their unhappy on, right? Getting their indignance on, getting their self-righteous on, right? And I told you last week at the beginning of that sermon, I I said, I'm going to present to you today a, a man who had a choice to make. A man who believed that his healing could come from Jesus and be made whole rather than a stirred up pool. Right? But then there were also those of the religious order of the day that had to make the same decision. And we're seeing that here. Jesus is confronting them to say, there is life in me and not in you. There is life in me and not in you. Marvel not at this, right? He's already reading their heart. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good under the resurrection of life. See, Jesus' resurrection matters. And they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Understand this. Right? I'm not going to sit here and argue about where where the body goes and where the soul goes and all this and that and the other. We can make up our own, own imaginations about this. But understand, if you die damned, you will be resurrected damned. But if you die in life, you will be resurrected to life. And you will be found in the power and in the glory of Jesus Christ. And friend, it is the only thing that lifts you out of the grave. Amen? Some of you have come in today. We don't even have to go to the graveyards to have this conversation this morning. Some of you have come in here dead this morning. Some of you watching, sit there, look at me, dead. Today. Amen. And you're looking for everything else to make you whole. You're looking for a man to make you whole. You're looking for a woman to make you whole. You're looking for a job to make you whole. You're looking for this or for that to make you whole. And you're looking everywhere else but Jesus Christ dead. Dead. Amen. We sit entombed in a grave of our own making every single day. Every single day, we live out our grave. And we present it everywhere we go. Amen? And so it doesn't really matter where the body goes or where the soul goes because some of us walk dead. But some of us walk alive. Some of us walk alive. Some of us walk redeemed. Some of us walk already raised and resurrected because of the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we took our eyes off a man and we took our eyes off religion and we saw a Savior in Jesus Christ who loves us and who calls us and who brings us into His presence even when we didn't deserve it. And He calls us His. He calls us His. Amen? And He employs us to walk with Him. Amen? And I'll say this. Amen? 
Take a deep breath because this might sting a little. Amen. If you're not willing to walk with him, you ain't been resurrected. Amen. If you're not willing to straighten narrow this thing up. Amen. There has been no redemptive value placed in you yet because you are still holding on to the things that make you dead. Right? You're still sitting there looking for something other than Jesus to make you whole. And there is nothing else. There is no one else. And there is no other way to make that happen. We're not even to the meat of the message yet. So you pray for this preacher. Listen. Amen. Marvel not. At this, for the hour is coming in which that the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that done good unto the resurrection of life and they that done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. Everybody say that. I can of mine own self do nothing. The quick, guys, the quicker and gals, the quicker we learn this. The quicker we get this, the quicker we quit trying to be something when we're nothing and we humble ourselves before a holy Jesus and allow him to impart perfection and peace and hope and joy into our life. quicker we find our way to power and authority. Amen? Because you're not going to find it in your own doings, your own self-righteousness, your own filthy rags. Amen? I was a boy, and I, I grew up in a, in a bunch of country churches, and I will never forget this moment because I thought I was going to puke. I almost puked in my mouth when it happened. But the preacher, he said, just to prove a point, and he pulled his hanky out of his coat, and he blew his nose, and it was nasty, nasty. Blew his nose in that hanky, wiped it all off good, and then he set, stuck it up in the air and started waving it. And it was nasty. And he said, at our very best, at our very best, this is what we bring to God. Without Jesus. And I remember sitting there going. Right. I, I don't want to be bringing no snot to God. Right. Let alone anything else. Right. But what a great illustration. Right. That on a whatever I was. 12 or 13 year old boy. That you know years later. I still remember that moment. Of what am, what am I bringing to God. Right. Right in line with what TJ challenged you with this morning. Right in line. With this concept and idea of what are we really bringing to God? Amen. Because if we're bringing anything to God other than, than the power and the authority and the life of Jesus Christ. We're bringing the things that he doesn't accept. Right? And you say, well, that's your opinion, preacher. No, no, no. That's Jesus' teaching and I'm getting ready to read it to you. Okay? Y'all good? Everybody all right? Amen. All right. You know, I love you, right? Huh? All right. 
I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will. See, that's our problem, right? We seek out our own will. We seek out our own soapboxes. We seek out our own ideas. And let me tell you this, amen? And, and, I, and I've talked to a lot of young preachers over the years, and, and I have all told them the same thing, is when you're able to preach without soapboxes, and you are able to rightly divide the word of God and not your opinions and not your judgments, but true and form the word of God, then that's when you've put yourself in the proper place. Amen? Preaching soapboxes do not, does not bring salvation to the lost and to the weary and to the broken and to those who need put back together. Amen? Because soapboxes just keep tearing them apart. Amen. We have a lost world that needs loved and, and put back together by people pursuing the pureness of who God is. Amen. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. <clears throat> now this is some heavy stuff starting at verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. All right. Anybody else out there other than me got a red letter Bible? All right. Can, can we all agree and testify that this is Jesus talking? Amen. What does he say? If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. He's talking about Father. He's talking about God. And Jesus is saying, look, as a man, as a man, as flesh and blood, I can stand here and I can market myself to you all day long. And some of you are going to buy the car. Right? Some of you are going to buy the car. Some of, you, some of you are going to take what I'm laying down home with you. And you're going to prescribe to it as a lifeline. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna choose it to lead you. Amen? But this is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, if I bear witness of myself, it's not true. If I lay something down to you from me, it's not true. But the one who bears witness of me, mm, right? Power, glory, authority, amen? One of, one of our speakers said this. Ah, see, it's already working its way in. One of our speakers this weekend said this. Amen? Victory looks good on us. Glory doesn't. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, right? That's like an air gun. Just right? Victory looks good on us. Glory doesn't. Why? Glory's his. Glory's his. It's only his. Amen. And if we're living for that, amen, we're testifying of ourselves. 
Amen? And not of him. And Jesus just already told us that's not true. So he begins to teach, ye sin unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that ye might be saved. Everybody look at your Bible. It's not on the screen because there's nobody up there this morning. Um, Amen. But look at your Bible. You should have them anyway. Verse 34. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say that ye might be saved. Church, it is time that we quit letting man dictate assumed spirituality in our life. Because spirituality has nothing to do with man. It has nothing to do with anyone standing in front of you. It has nothing to do with me. Unless God chooses to take my words and my time of preparation and my time of study and anoint it and bless it and work through me to deliver a word from you, everything I say is garbage except what he anoints. Amen? And it is why you will always, in the day it doesn't, I have told my wife and I have told the intercessors in my life that the day I come to a place that I start to feel a little jiggity with who I am, right? Punch me in the face and get me out. Because I don't ever want to step into any of this. I never want to turn the microphone on. Thinking I'm worthy. I want to be found at his feet. Again and again and again and again. Amen. Say, but Jay, you've been on you've been on this way 33 years. Or whatever it is now. I'm horrible with time. I think it's close to that. You've been on this way, you've done this, you've been here, you've done that, everything else. Man, you preach so good. Everything else. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I love and appreciate y'all when you say that kind of stuff, but I make sure that crap goes in one ear and out the other. Because I don't want it to take residence here. Amen. And I don't want it to take residence here. Because I want to stand up here on my face. I want to stand up here on my face. Remembering that I'm dust. Amen. And present nothing, nothing to you that isn't anointed of the power of God. Amen. But I receive not, this is, this is Jesus talking of God, I receive not testimony of man. Quit pursuing plaudits. You with me? Quit pursuing plaudits. Quit pursuing back, back taps. Amen? Because if, if we're not careful, those who mean well around us will sear our thinking into us being something when we're nothing. Amen? He, talking of John... He was a burning and shining light. And ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. 
Right? We're talking about John the Baptist and Jesus saying to them, John came and John baptized and you came. There is record, historical record, that even religious leaders were baptized of him in the beginning of his ministry. But the minute he pointed to Christ, the minute he pointed to Jesus and not them, they imprisoned him and cut off his head. Are we hanging on to anything in our life so deeply and so profoundly that if it chooses at any point to not be what we want it to be, that we would cut off its head? That's why, men, we learned this weekend that we've got we've to come to the righteousness of God to be honorable husbands. We've got to come through the righteousness of God to be honorable fathers. We've got to come through the righteousness of God to be viable brothers. Amen. We've got to come through the righteousness of God to lead this church. Amen. Nothing else. Nothing else. Not my opinion. Don't get mad at me. Don't give me grumpy looks. I ain't afraid of you. Amen. That's what Jesus is saying to us right here. Right? When the Pharisees got their way with John, they endorsed, they endorsed his ministry. They loved him. They even participated. But the minute they didn't get what they wanted because John saw the authority in Jesus Christ, they turned on him like that. Amen? Because they were serving themselves. They were testifying of themselves. And in the flesh, they had the power to do what they wanted, not realizing that they only elevated his ministry. Amen? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 31, he goes on. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. Y'all, y'all take a deep breath. We're almost there. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Hang on to that. Now down to verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. Jesus is going to lay it down right now. I have greater witness than that of John. My authority is greater than John's. My promise, my power, my redemption is greater than John. The places I can take you and the things I can do in your life. The healing, the peace. The hope, the joy, all that I can bring you is greater than what was bestowed through anointing upon John. Because I can bring you to all of it. And I can bring you to completion through my power and through the glory that's given to me in the Father. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. And the Father hath sent me. You see, Jesus is presenting to us the fullness of himself. Saying, I didn't come to be something here. Amen? And, and I, you know, I got, I got a lot of friends caught up in all the, uh, the, the politics of religion. 
and, and I, I stand tried and true on, 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 on my feeling that Jesus had nothing to do with politics. And there are those that try to entangle him in politics every day. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not talking red and blue, okay? I'm not talking Democrat and Republicans. Forget that crap, okay? I'm, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus never attacked Rome. He attacked religion. The only reason it fell over to Rome is because religion had entangled themselves with Rome. And that's the only reason Rome got involved. If we remember all the way to the end of the chapter, amen, Rome was basically saying, hey, this is your problem. Yeah. Right? Even Rome recognized that Jesus wasn't attacking them and told religion, yeah, you deal with this, this is your problem. Right? I'm washing my hands, right? And I'm going to go over here and have a nice dinner and y'all figure that out. Right? Jesus came to break up the hard ground by sowing love and goodness and righteousness into our lives and all around us that we might see the fullness of who he is, walk in the fullness of who he is, and then share the fullness of who he is with everybody else. Amen? And I already told you, we don't do that from soapboxes. We do that from love. We do that from peace, and we do that from joy. We do that with a whole lot of grace. Amen? And a whole lot of mercy, because that's how he handled me. Amen? We, we, could, we, could, we could spend a week talking about my 20s and all the reasons from the world standpoint of why I don't belong up here. Amen? But God is merciful. And God's grace is sufficient for a multitude of sins. And it's why I remind myself daily, I don't deserve this. And I refuse to test of my, my, uh, testify of myself. And I command you never testify of yourself either. If God needs to prove you, he will. You hear me? No, 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 this is something you should write down because you need to remember this at points in your life. If God needs to prove you, he will. Amen? And we can, we can manifest this and we can manifest that all day long. Amen? The reality is when God's ready, he will raise us up. He will anoint he will empower and he will yoke us with the mantle according to our workmanship. Amen. And then we'll walk in that in authority. And we'll walk in that in victory. Amen. And he'll get the glory. Ye sent unto John and bear witness and, and unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man but these things. I say that ye might be saved. I'm going to jump down back to verse 37. And the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his words abiding in you. Oof. He's talking to the religious leaders. And he says... His words don't abide in you. 
the precepts of heaven, the ideas of the only throne, don't live inside of you. Right? Religious leaders is where this conversation is. Man, if we, if we, if we put that into perspective, this is, this is some holy crap stuff. Right? Sorry, I say crap now and then. I hope it's not offensive. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Right there. I told you I was going to do it, didn't I? Right? I told you I was going to do it. And right there, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. Amen? What did he say? Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Holy crap, right? I, mean, I'm not, I, I, I know it probably looks funny, but I'm not trying to be funny. That, that's a moment you read, and you're like, wait, what? What did I just read? Jesus challenging the most knowledgeable and authoritative of the law and tells them, search the scriptures, because you think those save you. Bam. Right? Red letter Bible. You already testified. You already said, yep, it's red, Jay. Right? I just read to you red words, not Jay words. Right? I got no notes up here. It's word. Right? King James Version words. Search the scriptures. Verse 39. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they, speaking of the scriptures, that testify of me. Jesus saying, you, you grab hold and hold on to the scriptures, which tell you about me. But you cling to them and you reject me. Amen? What, what did he say on the Sermon on the Mount? You can't serve God and mammon. Because you'll cling to one. And you'll despise the other. Right? If we're clinging to anything. Other than Jesus. God can't testify of that. That's what this whole group of scriptures is telling us. If we make our claim to heaven by any other way than Jesus Christ and his life, his life, his ministry, God can't testify of it. And God can't accept it. And God can't receive it. And we walk dead. And we'll be resurrected dead. Amen? And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You will not come to me that you might have life. And we need to get verse 41. I've already kind of laid it out there for you. But I'm going to give it to you from Jesus, not me. I receive not honor from men. 
Amen. I love you guys. I do, and I, I hope you know it. I think some of you do. I, I love you with everything inside of me, right? Some of you, some of you I've known since you were kids. Amen. And, and the, the, the thrill of being your pastor and the ability to, to impart his word into you and to see you to step into the power and the authority that he has for you in life is, is greater reward than anything I could have here on earth. And I love you, but listen, I am not looking for your plaudits. I don't find my credibility in anything you have to say about me. I hope you speak well of me. Amen. Most more than more than me because it helps it helps grow the church. Amen. And I believe we need to be focused on growing the church. Amen. But beyond that, if you notice, I don't put my name on anything because my name don't matter. When we talk about this place, I want us to talk about Jesus. Amen. Because if we're building on anything else, what did he say? We can't have salvation that way. We have it in him. Amen. And all that, all that I've done, all that I've sacrificed, all that I've given over the years, I got one reward in mind. One. One. Well done. Amen. As a Marine trudging through infiltration courses and mud and things blowing up in your face and and, and all rounds whizzing over your head. I never, I never saw live combat um, just during peacetime and, and was just never put in that place. But man, I trained for it. A lot of long, hard nights trained for it. Amen. And I remember getting into the end and the finish line of the infiltration course and achieving the objective. And, and the many times that we'd go and we'd present a flag or we'd present a bomb or we'd present whatever our mission was. To collect, and I remember taking that up to, to our gunny or our captain or whoever was leading the exercise for that night, and, and we'd present it to him, sometimes as individuals, sometimes as a group, depending on what the exercise was, and we would present that to him. And they'd always look at us, and they'd always say the same thing, normally chomping on a cigar, right? Just like movie kind of stuff. And they'd look at us, and they'd be like, well done, Marine, right? And there was nothing that felt better than that, to know that man, you, you kicked butt and you took names and, and, and you, you, you did what you were supposed to do. And the guy that was constantly yelling at you and constantly pushing you to more and, and pushing you to find the very best in yourself was pleased with you in that moment. Amen. And maybe it's still the Marine in me coming out now and then, but listen. Listen. I don't need a mansion. I don't... you. Y'all want to go fishing, go fishing, whatever your idea of heaven is, have it, right? But listen, I want two words. Nothing else matters, man. I'm, I'm not looking for anything else. I have no interest of getting rich by this. I have no, no idea of getting popular by this. I have no want. No desire to be anything of this life because of what Jesus has done in me. But I want to be able to take my offering, however much it is and however long it is, and to crawl to his feet and for him to lift up my head and say, well done. Done. Done.
Y'all can run all over heaven being crazy. I'm just going to sit on the hillside after that and remember what it sounded like over and over and over and over again. Because it's the only thing I care about. Spiritually, it is the only thing I care about and strive for every day. Amen. And that's what Jesus is breaking down to us in this moment. Is he's breaking down to us the fact that we can't do it by scripture. We can't do it by man. We can't do it by all of these things that we create foundations in our life for. That merely just harden our heart and harden our perspective and keep us from stepping into the full oil of his anointing. Amen. And he's telling us here. Quit losing yourself in everything else and lose yourself in me. Lose yourself in me. And when you do, when you do, when you do, I'll call out your name. I'll turn to Father and call out your name. I'll testify of you. Amen. You want to talk about something of worth. That's Jesus looking to God and saying, there's Jay. There's Bethany. (laughs) There's Gary and there's Anthony. Amen. Mine. Mine. When he testifies of us, friends. When he testifies of us. There is nothing greater. Nothing greater. Amen. And that is where we are called to. And that is where we find him. Amen. Six weeks ago or whatever it was, we started this sermon series. And I told you, I told you, I'm closing, I'm closing, right? Bob, Bob Evans got you, got you waiting. Amen. <laughs> I told you that before we even get to the together part, right? I got, I got kind of smacked on the wrist because I did this whole little thing and I put a semicolon there. And they told me, they said, I'm not, I'm not sure that's grammatically correct. And, and everything. And, and Becky even told me, she goes, do you want, you want me to call and ask Medora? Medora is our English teacher, right? She goes, do you want me to call and ask Medora? I said, no, because I really don't care if it's grammatically or correct or not because I want to make a point. Amen? And I mean, no disrespect to Medora. And Medora knows this. No disrespect to Medora. Amen? But I really didn't care about the grammatics, right? Because I wanted you to understand that before we can even get two together, Before we can even get to together, we got to get to Jesus. Amen? And we're here. We're here. We're at the point in this series and and in the book of John and what God has given me for for this idea for 2023. We're at the place. This message is hard. Amen? This message should should shake some of the foundations of, of what you've believed in your Christianity. Amen? And if not, then you're already resurrected to life. Amen? I mean, Jesus said some hard things. And he called us to himself in saying those things. 
He pushed everything off the road and everything out of the way. And he created a narrow path for us right here in John chapter 5. And he said, I am your way to wholeness. I am your way to hope. I am your way to peace. I am your way to love. I am your way to completion. Come to me. I'll testify of you. Amen. So what's your testimony? And I don't want to hear something 25 years ago that you still hold on to as your claim to God. Amen? What's your testimony right now? Where do you stand with Jesus right now? What power and authority of heaven is alive in you and working in you in ways you can't fathom right now? Amen? I know a lot of you are going through stuff, and I know Satan keeps rearing his head. And you want to know why? Because he knew where we were going. He knew this was the goal. And he's saying, I'm going to disrupt it, and I'm going to keep him from getting it. Amen? So what's your testimony? Where do you stand? He's calling you to him. Above everything else. Amen. And it's a life and death decision. A life and death decision. I read that in the beginning if you don't remember. It's a life and death decision. Let's stand and sing.